So often on the show, we like to highlight some uh, non-technological news just to kind of break things up a little. And uh, ironically, this week, it has to do with the Ford Lightning. Okay. Many truck buyers out there were excited for the upcoming Ford Lightning, uh, especially considering that the base price for the Pro model, which is their base trim, was near about 40 grand. Okay. But uh, since the initial announcement that Ford made back in 2021, the iconic American manufacturer has levitated that cost by a whopping $20,000, meaning that the base price for the Pro trim that enticed so many Ford faithful and truck junkies now sits at a staggering $60,000. That's like a price of most luxury model vehicles out there. So yeah. The uh, the insanely high price hike was evidently due to material costs, market factors, and supply chain constraints, or so states Model E communications director Martin Gunsberg. Okay. It feels like they would have predicted like the cost of all this, you would think. Although I guess they just didn't determine that. And maybe it's possible that because it's been two years since they initially released it, that prices had gone up more. I mean, that's so. pretty much what, what that's indicating. It's just insane to hear like $20,000 is like I an know. insane amount. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's for the, for at least the base trim, that's like 50%. So my goodness. And, and trucks are already expensive to begin with, but, uh, yeah, that is true. Regardless of the reasoning behind it, uh, this madness has turned so many buyers away who had previously put in reservations for their Ford Lightning. Uh, one location in particular up in Salina, Kansas, saw a drop of 30% on reservations because either the price was just so daunting or because it pushed the vehicle outside the limitations of the federal tax credit, uh, which is $80,000. Gotcha. So if you go over that, then you lose the $7,500 tax credit. Okay. Um, so both the Lariat and the Platinum trim exceed that price point when it's all said and done and pretty much means that only the two lower trims without options qualify for said tax credits. Uh, the XLT with options could easily fetch over 80 grand, especially if you have the long range model. So it's just, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, 20, I mean, that's normally, normally EVs start at 30,000. And then, like, that's like a Tesla model almost. But like you said, those are luxury-type cars at that price. And I know, like, yeah, you did say trucks tend to do, tend especially nowadays, trucks tend to be very expensive just because, especially if they're EV. So I don't discredit that. But, yeah. No. 60000 for a truck. It's just, yeah, yeah, that that seems much less worth it. And I didn't even know about the Lightning until now. So... (laughs) <laughs> which I'm not up to date on the car car situation stuff like that. Riley but. Riley is just not as much into cars as JD is. So I'm a kind of into cars. I just am not. I don't keep myself updated on that kind of news. So. <laughs> and I don't even keep myself on certain tech newses. But uh, we won't get into that. Uh, yeah. So the other oddity that isn't necessarily anything new, but it is affecting another state is the whole USPS and dog owner situation. We actually mentioned that about maybe a month ago and yeah, we talked about specific stickers being on mailboxes up in Illinois and that they weren't anything that you should mess with. Well, that is now coming to North Carolina 
And the only reason why we're even mentioning this topic again is because that is where we are based out of, and we have a decent number of listeners centralized in this state. Just to briefly reiterate what this means exactly, if you see a couple stickers with paw print symbols placed on your mailbox or even your neighbor's mailbox, it simply means that any of the adjacent homes, including your own, have been noted to house a canine and it's just the USPSs we have identifying that to help the mailmen be more moderately aware. So again, there's no reason to remove or tamper with those stickers and uh, you should likely see a postcard in the mail explaining just that. So yeah. I don't have a dog, so. You used to have one. You used to have three, actually. Was it? I used to have, yes. We had two American Bulldogs and then a German Shepherd, so. Our parents have one, and I don't, yes, I don't have know. one. They yet. have to watch out for that little yippy dog running around the mailman. As my wife calls him, <laughs> the feather duster. But, uh. Feather duster. That's interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that is crazy to see that uh, here in uh, NC, so. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing like out of the world out of this world. no it's just i honestly i wasn't really expecting that uh, to be the next uh, state although i mean you have 50 i so mean I, like it's, a, it sounds like it's been working like just something to help out the mailman yeah oh, or lady. oh yeah it's a great great thing to have honestly i have no problem with it at all um yeah. just to keep yep. mailman safe and stuff like that so yeah next we have some quick information here we do have some links regarding the iphone 15 lineup batteries from what we've gathered from sources, the iPhone 15 will house a 3877 milliamp, which is 598 larger than its predecessor. Hmm. On the Pro 3650 milliamps, which is 450 more than its previous one, the 15 Plus will house 4912 milliamps, and that's 587. Wow. More than the uh, 14 Plus. Yeah. And then the 15 Pro Max, uh, 4,852, uh, which is 420 and more. So these are pretty, these are the obviously the biggest batteries that we've seen on any iPhone. And it's honestly telling that the last maybe even two days, depending on your use of those, I was actually uh, telling JD before we started a Babel episode this past week that I'm not too keen on the 15 or haven't really been too keen on the 14, what Apple's been doing with regards to, you know, what they've updated, kind of how they've updated stuff. Or the but, lack thereof. Yeah, but it, at least this these batteries do look promising uh, as far as usability and how the longevity that you get out of them each charge. So that's good. Yeah, and we've discussed that. It's kind of funny because now we're actually seeing Apple come into play where a typical size is 5,000 milliamps. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, the Pro, the Basic, uh, and maybe a little bit on the Pro Max aren't quite 5,000, but uh, that fi- 15 plus is just right on there. the cusp of yeah, being right 5,000. So, so, yeah, so I mean, it, that's something that I like to see. Now, for some of you on the Android side, this might harken you back to the days of the Galaxy Note 7, where they had this really large battery and then it started exploding. Yeah. <laughs> I think most manufacturers have kind of gotten past that and put in a lot of fail safes and such. So, we should have hoped to not see that again, but um, yeah. As far as the increase on the on the milliamps, that is definitely impressive to see. I think uh, a lot of those rumors have kind of pushed towards the fact that it's because the housing or the chassis is going to be slightly thicker than previous models. I did notice that. Yes, which that's something that Apple kind of liked to advertise or market that their iPhones were thinner. 
mm-hmm. especially back in the Steve Jobs era. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, they was always trying to get thinner. But now I think they're trying to kind of give that more of a functional, practical manner rather than sleek and design oriented. Yeah. Sometimes depending on the, um, I guess, spec, sometimes thinness is not always the best just i mean it really depends you don't want like a thick hard solid phone right. but like um for a company to show like this phone is like super thin you're missing out on a lot of things there that affect the the usability let us remember the iphone 6 and 6 plus <laughs> ben Gate. yeah break easily that uh unbox therapy video will always live rent free in my mind <laughs> so yeah it's just you have to be careful when you're doing that uh thin in fact the uh the razor uh, plus that you were um, talking about debatable that that one that I felt was actually pretty thin and it still had a lot of usability on it and it really didn't there wasn't anything being taken away I don't think no um, obviously it wasn't as great as like an Oppo or a Samsung um, but I do think that even though they thinned it just a little bit it still had good specs so yeah I think you have to have a balance that's that's just my opinion on it yeah and I mean it's barely any thicker than my i13 pro so yeah i feel like the thickness is there it is because it's a foldable i think you and i both agreed that it's a little bit more uh fragile or delicate sure yeah i i I think i think the whole whole entire form factor is still pleasing to you know hold and and use on a daily basis so Mm -hmm. absolutely 100 percent agree so this next item may not be as well known depending on who you talk with, but it's an annoyance that I've encountered multiple times as some of my latest test devices like the OnePlus 11 and as Riley mentioned, the Razer Plus, uh, which are obviously Androids. This issue affects anyone using Android Auto and some of the latest versions of Google Maps. But now an update is rolling out that is once again allowing users to access Google Maps simultaneously on Android Auto and their smartphone. And Riley is looking at me like, why has that been an issue before? <laughs> well, I know on iPhone you can, like, for example, Waze, you can open Waze and open that on the, because I have a uh, CarPlay. So, it, but that's what you just said, right? And yes, exactly. So this feature was evidently available back in Q1 of this year and is once again rolling out to the public. Frankly, this was so frustrating because, well, for example, on our trip back from Ohio, I was pretty much the navigating assistant with, you know, plugging in destinations and such Uh into Android Auto via my OnePlus 11. Every single time I was met with the stupid warning, which reads, your phone can't display Google Maps while Android Auto is running. (laughs) Which (laughs) never made any sense to me because this is something that you can, like you said, easily do with your iPhone. Yeah, right. Um, And yet, ironically, this is something that Google was putting a block on. So I would constantly have to unplug my phone, punch in the destination, plug up my phone again. And it was just such a hassle and I hated it. So, and I mean, yes, I could have used the voice activations, but I didn't really want to wake up the kids in the back seat. So it's like... (laughs) I have a phone mount on the left side, and I think you do too. Yeah, I, I have one. Yeah, yeah, and it's I. What I usually normally do is I type it on there while it's plugged in instead of typing on the screen because 
it's easier for me to access if I'm driving, which I shouldn't, you shouldn't be using your phone when you're driving. I just want to say that, but, um, it's quicker. It's more efficient <laughs> instead of using yeah. the display. Yeah. And actually, um, that brings me to something here. So on, uh, we, we've kind of been expanding our knowledge on, you know, podcasts and, um, just interacting with you guys. So if you guys are on Spotify, there is an actual Q and a or a poll for each podcast. And I think we can actually add more than one. Mm-hmm. One of the questions, if you want to jump down there and vote, uh, do you guys actually use the um, infotainment system screen when kind of adjusting your destinations and addresses or even voice activation? Or do you actually plug it into your phone? Um, because quite frankly, like Riley was saying, I feel like it's easier to use your phone because the it keyboard is. is right there. Your hand memory is easy to be like, you know, okay, I know where the letters are and everything. Exactly. And I, can, I feel like I can do it quicker. So that way I can get back on what I need to do. So. But I mean, I understand the the conflict of interest with with using your phone while you're driving. But uh, yeah, in either case, as I mentioned, this update is rolling out. So if you haven't seen it yet, where you are still experiencing that problem, then you know just sit tight. It means that it hasn't hit your phone yet, and it should do so in the coming days or possibly weeks. Okay. But uh, yeah, definitely glad that f- fix finally came because it was driving me crazy, literally driving me crazy. So. Yeah, absolutely detrimental to how most people, because, I mean, that's just something that has been, well, that's been on Android before anyway, and then they took it off. I felt right? like, yeah, I felt like that's something I never noticed before, and evidently, yeah, so. Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, but uh, moving on here, this past week, a tester for the Pixel 8 Pro posted pictures of the phone on Reddit and then deleted them right away. Uh, from what the pictures <laughs> indicate, previous leaks that we had talked about seem to be confirmed here, such as Zuma being the codename for the Tensor G3, the bootloader version being called Rip Current, and the codename for the phone being called, quote, Husky. That's right. Yep. Okay. And uh, there's uh, quite a few other things, like a 128 storage that's kind of a going to be a normal thing for this phone, uh, but I won't get into too many specifics. It's not really any surprise to anyone, I'm sure, since a lot of leaks that Google has are 99.9% true. Uh, they tend to be at the very <laughs> least. Uh, but it still is intriguing to me that a guy would make account, make an account on Reddit, post some pics, delete the pics, and then delete the account. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't really, he was trying to probably not break his cover or whatever on that because he probably got that from obviously Google, uh, with, you know, them allowing them to have it, but it's still crazy just how that happens sometimes. But yeah, something funny about this is Riley doesn't actually know that I have all, quite a few specs uh, that have leaked on the pixel that we're going to showcase at the end of the show. So, um, oh, yeah, lovely. as far as, as, <laughs> as far as what it looks like, um, I don't think there's really going to be much surprise because I think we've already talked about the fact that the rounded corners are coming yep. and the, yeah. uh, we've seen the I think we said this on, was this on the debatable episode where we were talking about like the temperature sensor? We we're kind of reiterating the rumors we had heard like two I months ago. I think that might have been on a STT. Or maybe that was two weeks. I don't know. I don't know. Probably was. Something. But yeah. So um, I would say, well, can can they, can can we actually see the images though? Or did they actually, okay. So they downloaded they the, download the images. They also downloaded the comments as to why this guy uh, may have gotten rid of them. And oh, okay. let's see. Yeah, it's a quote from Android Authority. They said something about the comments showed that the original poster didn't really think things through. 
They said something about probably <laughs> needing to have used a throwaway account after admitting that the prototype comes from the device team in Google for testing. Oh. So he didn't want to throw his name or anything, and he wasn't. He was just like, "Oh, I've got it. Here it is." But Inside he probably had secrets. to. Okay. He probably had to agree with the terms with Google when he got that test phone. Right. So. But, uh, yeah, we do have images, and we'll actually uh, put the links in the description so you guys can check them out. Um, the phone itself, obviously, not a whole lot of difference than the previous one other than it does actually show the rounded edges, and uh, it looks pretty solid. I have no no problems with it so far. So, so a couple uh, items along with Apple is that we hear from the rumor ranger, Mark Gurman, that Apple is working on an external display that would also double as a smart home display. Oh, uh, so what this Google would, did. This would occur when it's in idle or low power mode. So I had actually seen this last week and you weren't available for um, last Monday's episode. So I was actually waiting to see your reaction to this because I feel like it's somewhat cool, but it's kind of predictable. Well, so, so wait, let me get this straight. So the, it goes into a, a home type of device or... What did you say? Yeah, so some have speculated that we have already seen a sneak peek at what this could include, as iOS 17 has boasted a feature known as standby mode. Uh, yeah, okay. We could likely see this advance to a monitor on a larger scale and possibly include more info and data, uh, being that it would have more of a home type of setting and a larger screen, so rather than just a nightstand screen. <laughs> Yeah, that is kind of basic. Honestly, I wish they would also release that for the iPad because I, I yes. checked um, the uh, iPad OS 17 for my wife because we tested it out and it's not on there, obviously. And it, it is a little annoying because, yeah, see, that's the face I gave her <laughs> because she was like, I want to have it next to my bed. So when I wake up, it's right there. And I was like, well, normally people don't have their iPads out and display like that. And she was like, well, it still would look good just because I would have it right there next to me um, and I could just take it out, use it, and I would know the time and everything. And it would look yeah. like a bigger clock. I think there's arguments on both sides for having it on. I think, I think there should there be an option, at least. I think there should be an option, yes. I don't – I agree with what you're thinking. I can um, sympathize with her perspective in the end, I can kind of see why it's not available yet. Yeah. But um, it's something to it's something to consider. It's debatable. I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that's something we would actually showcase on. on, on no, no, show. no. <laughs> but uh, it is. It is debatable on whether or not, you know, they should do that. But I think I think at this point they're trying to think about functionality over just general right. copycats. So, yeah, uh, but the other small item that we are hearing rumors on is that the next gen AirPods Pro could pack a temperature sensor. And we've seen this on Huawei with some models that haven't come to the U.S., obviously, mm -hmm. but it would kind of act as another health device, which actually in theory makes sense since the ear is more of an accurate orifice to detect the right body temperature than something like That's true. with an Apple yeah. watch. So I actually like that idea. That'd be really cool to see. And then there's also a possibility that Apple could market the AirPods as a viable option for hearing aids. And uh, yeah, that was my reaction too. <laughs> that is good. I'm surprised they haven't done that 
early. I guess maybe technology wasn't there yet. But. I mean, considering, yeah, well, actually, I'll, I'll actually quote this from the article here. So um, German writes, Apple is exploring how to position and market the AirPods Pro as a hearing aid after the FDA made it easier for Americans to buy over-the-counter options last year. He reports the company recently hired engineers with experience working on traditional hearing aids as part of that initiative. So that's good. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, I was actually kind of thinking of our dad because he actually uses. I was I was just thinking about him. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know he likes to like he messes with the buttons and stuff on his hearing aid. I'm like, but I mean, it also depends on battery life, too. That's true. So we kind of have to think about that and whether or not that would be, I'm sure, sure there's probably limited scenarios where people would use that. But um, I mean, it's better than paying 5000 for a a pair of really good <laughs> hearing aids. <laughs> yeah. But it's worth noting that it sounds like these features won't be available until the next gen releases, which may not be for another year or even two. So, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, the main the main thing I'm looking forward to is the refreshed AirPods Pro that will ditch the lightning plug. Amen. Which could actually be expected to see this fall or even, you know, earlier in this in next spring. So, but yeah, amen. I'm, I'm <laughs> big on that feature, even though it's just a plug. All devices, USB-C. Yes, that's, thank that's you. what we're hoping for here. Uh, moving right along, we actually have deals for you. And as a reminder, on the day that we post this, which is Wednesday, it will have been the second day of the Amazon Prime Day, uh, obviously the 11th through the 12th. And uh, we already have some pre deals for you guys on Amazon. The first being is the Ring Video Doorbell with a 40% knockdown price of $45, uh, making the doorbell $55. And actually, I know JD has the Ring Doorbell. Um, I don't. I'm actually going to get the Roku one here soon. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. I know this is deals. You, Roku makes a doorbell? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Well, the thing about it is you can actually use it with Roku TV and the app on your phone. So you can not oh, only right. look you at the video. You were telling me about that. Okay. Yes. And we actually looked through, we looked through the specs because my wife actually saw it at Walmart and she was like, oh, look, there's some Roku um, doorbells. And I was like, I was I asked the exact question you did. I was like, Roku makes doorbells? That's crazy. And um, yeah, and they look really good. And the subscription on them is actually pretty fair. I mean, you pay $3 a month for... Um, the cloud, higher service, um, and all that great stuff. I mean, there's just all, I mean, you, it's honestly really the best option because the stuff that they give you for just without doing that is hardly yeah, great. Yeah, I think I pay 25 or 30 a, a year for the base plan on the Ring doorbell, so it, it doesn't even include any. Yeah. Probably of some of the features that uh, Roku is offering, but uh, how do we get on that? Oh, the Ring doorbell, yes. Uh, <laughs> so that's $55? Yep. That is 55. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I actually have a Ring uh, Doorbell Pro uh, that my wife got me for, I think it was Christmas a couple of years ago. We mm-hmm. have ours. So we're actually trying to get some additional security cameras and floodlights around the house. Yeah. Roku also makes security cameras as well. No kidding. They make doorbells that have cameras on there and then they make security cameras too. That is so shocking. <laughs> hey, I mean, there might be some like, okay, my wife's parents, they recently got this sort of off-brand if you will doorbell um and apparently they had great reviews on amazon or whatever and it's one of those you know it's a cheap one when it says petting mode in like a chinese accent there you go 
But I mean, I, I downloaded the app for them on their phone and it looks really good. But I don't think that one has security cameras, the, the what they make at least, oh, although okay. they they might. But I mean, it just I guess it depends on the 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 manufacturers, if they actually provide security cameras. Yeah, it's one of those where you, you wonder if it's the government that's watching you or if it's another country that's watching you. <laughs> that's a debatable topic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So but in any anyway. case, we'll move on to the next deal. Uh, and actually going right in with uh, what I've been doing lately is testing out the Moto Razor Plus. It is 15% off, so that's $150 down from 1000 So you can get that for 850 right now on Amazon uh, with Prime. So, Dang. Yeah. That is a, that's, that's much better than my deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I saw that on there. I was like, I am snatching that one up because I'm sure that would be a perfect uh, thing to showcase on the show, especially after I've tested that device. And I feel like it really is a, a good buy. So. Uh, but getting back to news, uh, so in the latest onrush of articles and such over the past couple of weeks, we now have reports that Google has plans, or actually to put it more boldly, has had plans to move away from Samsung silicone-based mobile processors onto bigger, better, and more proven mobile chipsets. So according to, quote-unquote, the information... Google had plans to potentially release the Tensor G4 as a TSMC-based processor. But with delays and development challenges, it looks as though it will be pushed back to 2025. I bet you that's because Apple already is working with TSMC for their, um, what is it, the 3 nanometer chipset that they're working with? No, I mean, I didn't re- they didn't really say specifically why. I don't think it was necessarily um, chains, supply chains, but I mean, that's... Not to say it couldn't be a possible culprit. Either way, in my opinion, I was hoping that, you know, this day would come where we would hear that Google would ditch the Samsung architecture and seek out TSMC. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, actually, in this case, the report did go on to say that it would be based on TSMC's three nanometer fabrication. But uh, no other notable specifications were included. Um, I'm not sure about you, but I personally think that this move would allow Google to be just that much more competitive and prevalent. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's a yeah, there's a, there's a reason why Samsung doesn't even use their own chips in their flagship phones. Actually, there's a reason why they sought out Qualcomm to develop a made-for-Galaxy chip. So exactly, I mean, it's essentially because they know their own Exynos lineup is pretty pitiful. <laughs> yeah, and actually, speaking of Galaxy, we have some more leaks with the uh, Z Flip Five. However, this one is more of an unfortunate look at the phone. These images show the phone when closed, and from the looks of it, there is still a gap in between the folded display. This was a little shocking for me, since I figured by now Samsung would have resolved this issue. Um, especially <laughs> considering... <fifth> <laughs> especially, yeah, especially considering that this phone does take on, a, allegedly... Oppo's teardrop design for the folding display. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yes, it does. I'm just no. I'm just gonna say no. It doesn't. If it can't do that, then it, the whole oh yeah. Will. Well, it, that's what they say. Uh, this uh, leaks apparently. I mean, I'm have. sure it probably does. But I mean, if it can't do that, then how in the world they, can you actually advertise that it's a teardrop design? So here's my theory. And another person commented below saying this exact same thing. I actually think that Samsung is pulling a play off of Apple's playbook with regards to delaying something so that way they can get more money off of this one. Okay, I definitely see what you're saying there. Yeah, so they're it trying just, to 
they're trying to delay the advancement in features that they know people would want so that yes. way they can have something that they can hook them on later. Because this is ridiculous. There's no way that they couldn't have resolved this by now. There's no excuse for that. You have Oppo who can engineer it. You have Motorola who can engineer it. And I guarantee you Google is in the process of engineering it right now as well. Agreed. Because we know that their flip is likely coming if the fold continues to... And well. Samsung... <laughs> Huh? Oh, Go ahead. oh, okay. All right. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> you were about to say something there. Um, yeah, and especially considering Samsung was the first to introduce this flip. I know we're we're five years into flips, and we can't get a stinking gapless flip phone from them. It's pretty pathetic, actually. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm hoping that that was just a prototype and like something got screwed up. I don't know. Yeah, I it was um actually hang on because it did show. Yeah, these are these are dummy units. Well, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> so it, I'm hoping, this is a huge hope here, that this is not the final product of what Samsung is releasing because yeah, five years, no change. I understand first, third, second, third, maybe the fourth generation, but by now, you gotta have it, and it's it's gonna it's gonna be a bad, um impression impression yeah a bad impression on samsung if all these other guys can do it and they're not doing it yeah yeah i I agree totally and that was the whole thing is like there and that's how i would see it if they're going to increase the cover display and they're not going to back it up with software that competitors offer and then they're also going to include a gap that has been pretty much nullified by other competitors as well What's the incentive to, exactly. well, let's just look at it from Samsung fans to upgrade or from other people to actually buy into the Samsung ecosystem, you know, by buying a Z Flip. So, yeah, I'm interested exactly. to actually see how that develops. And, yeah, I hope that it is a dummy unit for sure that it just that doesn't show what the final product is going to actually entail. But um, that is pretty pathetic. Was there any other specifications on that or is it just basically showing that, you know, that's the main highlight or I guess low light. No, I'm pretty much, that was all there was uh, just, but also just so you guys are aware that is going to be unveiled on the 26th during Samsung's unpacked event, which we previously stated is going to be at their, um, their hometown of seal seal. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just so you guys are updated to that um, as well. Yeah, We're coming right around the corner. So I'm really pumped for that. Actually, there is one thing I did want to mention about this because I don't know if you've seen any leaked images on the 5, have you? I have seen the promo images, but nothing in... Actually, hold on a second. Have you seen the exterior display? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that... uh, I guess perhaps I didn't make my comments on it previously, but I do like... Because I'm playing devil's advocate here, obviously. I do like the design of the... Not usually. I do like the design of the... uh, two cameras um with that sort of curved uh indention with the outer display um yeah it's it's got that folder factor yeah yeah pretty simple i'd say a sleek more modern design that just it's impactful to the device i think some people might find it a little annoying that it's a little cut out but i mean honestly i feel like that's the best you can do and for right now where the camera is not directly on the display like uh, Motorola did theirs, you know, I feel like you got to pick your battles and I feel like this is probably the best way you can do it, but that's just me. Yeah. I think in theory that might work, but for me, I really do have to 
give props to Motorola because com- just looking at the the uh, Razer Plus in my hand right now and then looking at those pictures, I actually do still prefer the Razer Plus because just the screen, hmm. the amount of data they can put in there, and it's not like actually adding any extra screen makes it that much more of a hindrance it's actually nice because I can see like the full wallpaper and stuff. And all I'm looking at is maybe some camera sensors that are blocking part of that out. But I suppose it's really, you know, just an objective down to preference type of thing. Um, I can kind of see where you're coming from though. It does look, has it have a sleekness to it. The metal bezels or basically the chassis surrounding the screen, at least on the images, that's a toss up. I don't necessarily like it, but I guess it'll be one of those things where you actually have to see it in person or at least when when they actually announce it, how it looks, because these could be markups here. That's true. I don't know where the... I thought I had the promo images, but maybe that was for the Z Fold. Okay. Let me send this one to you, because this is actually technically the promo images. I think those are mockups. That one looks a, a little bit more classy. So I that one, if it was based off of that picture, I could definitely see where you're going for. Previous renders... I think it also depends on the the color of the chassis. I would agree. I yeah, think that's, that's I think white probably to... makes it feel a lot more premium. Yeah, and like we've discussed in debatable, black is there's a lot of reasons not to get black anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, quickly, one other deal we did want to mention is the One Plus Eleven is actually a hundred dollars off on Amazon as well. Um, so before it was obviously 699, now it's 599. So if guys aren't thinking about getting the 11, which I've been really wanting to get that, this would be probably the best time to get it during this year. So, and just as a heads up, I did not tell Riley to put that on the show. He just happened to find it. So, um, <laughs> in either case, uh, we do have some more information about the fall release for Google, which I am excited about, despite the fact that it's still going to be a Samsung based chipset. But uh, the first thing we have is the battery yeah. sizes should see a small increase. So the Pixel 8 Pro will rise from 4,926 to 4,950. So 25, or actually 24 milliamps, nothing super crazy to jump at. It's actually the base Pixel 8, which gets a little bit more noticeable upgrade. So that's 4,270 up to 4,485, hmm. uh, which averages out to about four actually five percent increase right there so i mean that's kind of nice because at least uh if you're not going for the pro you kind of have that incentive that okay well this one has a battery yeah you're not necessarily losing something on that would be valuable to you like that battery exactly yeah yep and then actually right in association with that uh the charging speeds are also expected to see a bump of four watts so the Pixel 8 will jump from 20 to 24 watts, and then the Pixel 8 Pro will rise from 23 to 27 watts. Okay, So that's good. Uh, it, it, it's worth noting uh, to clarify, based on the rumors, that that charging bump does not affect wireless charging interface. It's purely just wired connection. So uh, just in case you guys were thinking, ooh, wireless might get bigger. No, from at least from the rumors, we're not hearing that just yet, so... I feel like the only, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like the only wireless charging iterations are really well done by OnePlus. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, it's part of that has to do with the proprietary wireless charger, 
but the fact that they provide that type of speed is pretty impressive. Yeah. So, but uh, to go along with the Tensor G3, the eighth gen pixels will also pack in Wi-Fi 7 as, you know, we're hearing many of the manufacturers out there adding that on. I think we had Apple, which we cited, was going to add that to future um, iPhones. Um, I think it was next year. Samsung will probably do that as well. What was that? Yeah. I think it was uh, next year's lineup. The 16 was going to have the, the 16. Uh, seven. Yeah. Yep. So um, we're, we'll see Wi-Fi 7 in the eighth gens this fall. Uh, more good news, actually, on these models, at least for international listeners, is that these models will now reach uh, more availability. So uh, Belgium, Switzerland, Portugal, and Austria will be added to the list of countries where these models will be available. Um, not sure if any listeners in those locations covet the Pixel series, but if you do, you'll have access to the 8th gens come this fall. That's really good. <laughs> yep. But uh, the last thing on these leaks is actually something that isn't necessarily new to the tech community. It's actually been around for over a decade. And uh, Samsung is one of the main manufacturers to push it, which really isn't a huge surprise because at Samsung, they like to add features and gimmicks. Mm -hmm. But the uh, Pixel 8 series could be capable of DisplayPort alternate mode. Now... In layman's terms, this would be a similar addition to Samsung's DeX uh, that pretty much allows you to plug up a Thunderbolt cable from your Samsung device to an external monitor and give you the capability to utilize the phone in a desktop manner on said monitor. But that said, the feature is something that Google is working on to add to the models for this fall release. Now, we don't have specifics on whether it will be both models or if it will just be the 8 Pro Technically, that kind of sounds like a pro feature. I'm thinking, yeah. We also do have to remember that Google isn't as stingy as Apple, so that's kind of up in the air. Um, I don't feel like adding that feature is affecting the cost of it, but at least on a larger scale, but it kind of depends. So in either Mm -hmm. case, I am really liking what I'm hearing from Google. I do wish that TSMC censorship was coming sooner than later, but, you know, Pixel 10, 10 Pro, um, it, it'll eventually get here. Yeah, for sure. Really excited to see uh, what Google's bringing to the table. And as far as I can tell, this year is going to be really great for them. At least it gives me something to be excited for uh, 2025. Mm-hmm. 2024 will be the iPhone 16 Ultra. 2025 will be when we see uh, Google get their own Tensor chip that's based on TSMC's fabrication. So, mm-hmm. yeah. We got some things coming up, and uh, again, like Riley said, that we've got the Samsung Unpacked event here at the end of the month. So ordinarily, this is where the episode would end, but we had some extra news come about uh, here on Tuesday, and unfortunately, Riley had some other things to do uh, as I was recording this, so he wasn't able to put in some of his input and thoughts on this, Uh, but I'm sure he probably will have something to say on Saturday for our debatable episode. But uh, in theory, these would act as two capstones to close out this episode, uh, one of which was Carl Pei announcing the Nothing Phone 2. And we don't normally do this where we record on additional information the following day, but I felt like this was pretty pertinent and um, couldn't be omitted from the episode. So, But the Nothing Phone 2, we had uh, Carl Pei uh, mention on Twitter, I think it was a month or possibly two months ago, that it would actually sport the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, which is actually last year's processor, but it is a refined or modified version of it that helps with efficiency and such. So 
Plus, it'll definitely see a boosted performance over, I believe it was the 7 series that was on the Nothing Phone 1. And then as far as the camera, we did notice a little bit of a boost there. Uh, the ultra wide still has a 50 megapixel sensor and so does the main, but the main sensor will actually have the Sony IMX 890. So that'll definitely pump out some better images and quality as far as that goes. And the front facing camera also saw a little bit of a boost from 60 megapixels up to 32 megapixels. Uh, and then I think the main thing that I feel like everyone is actually honing in on is the whole entire glyphs. So on the previous model, uh, we actually had uh, five different light zones, I guess you could call them. And uh, they would pretty much act as, you know, just your average notification indicator. But now we've got up to 11 different light zones. And one can actually be assigned to the use of a primary or what they're calling essential notification, where if you assign it to an app or maybe even a contact and you get a notification from that app or that contact um, sends a message or whatever or an email, that light will turn on and stay turned on until you open up the phone and read it or or check the actual application. So that one is probably the most impressive for me because uh, it's actually something we used to have on older Androids. And you really don't notice it that much on newer models, but there used to be like a little tiny LED light on the top of the phone or wherever on the front that would kind of glow. Uh, I think on my Note 4, it was green when there was a notification. Now, in this case, like I was saying, you can actually assign it to whatever application or contact you want it to be, which I feel like is even more of an importance because it's not just letting you know, oh, you got like 60 notifications on your phone. It's actually letting you know what you want to see or if that you know notification is available. So the other light zone that is pretty practical encompasses 16 individual lights and they will slowly turn off and that will actually act more as like a timer or in some cases it will work for um, applications like deliveries or Uber. And so as the light slowly, you know, dims down or gets smaller, it'll indicate how close that uh, Uber driver is to you or the delivery or how, you know, close you are to the end of the timer. So I wouldn't say that this is like the most coolest thing ever, but I will say that it does act on a level of functionality and practicality that we could, we could all use. I just wouldn't necessarily think that, okay, this is the reason to buy this phone. I feel like Carl Pei is trying to, well, on one hand, he even states that this is supposed to help you with kind of not getting sucked into your phone so much. So if you leave your phone turned face down and you're just seeing those LED indicators, like I said, if if that essential light is turned on, then you know, okay, this is what I want to check and that's all I'm really interested in. Uh, versus, you know, opening up one app and checking notifications and then you get sucked into something else. And then before you know it, 45 minutes goes by and you're like, what did I just do? So there's there's that aspect to it. But I also feel like he's coming at a different angle to make this phone be a little bit more enticing. And it is somewhat of a unique phone, especially from the design standpoint. Uh, Most phones out there aren't like transparent on the back or whatever. I enjoy actually seeing more of a unique feel in the inner workings and such, 
which I mean, you could obviously put a case on or debrand the skin on, on the back. But in other specifications, we also have a bump in batteries. So instead of 4,500 milliamps, we now have 47. So you get 200 more milliamps on the phone too, which really makes for a great uh, duo when you combine the Snapdragon Plus 8 Gen 1 with, you know, 200 more milliamps inside the battery. So I'm really expecting a good uh, experience with this when it comes to all day battery life or day and a half or maybe two days, if it, depending on if it's like light to medium use. And then as far as the screen goes, uh, you'll have a 6.7 inch LTPO uh, 1080 by 2412 120 hertz display, and uh, which will, will allow you to actually drop down to one hertz if needed uh, to save on battery. But at least you know that you can get a higher refresh rate than, let's say, the Pixel 7a, which caps out at 90 hertz. So, but with that, we'll end this topic on the storage sizes, and then obviously the pricing. So you'll start off with eight gigs of RAM, 128 gigs of storage. That'll fetch uh, $600. And then 12 gigs of RAM and 256 will fetch uh, $700. Uh, and currently that is on discount through their website for $650. So, so that won't always be the case. And uh, then the highest one you can get is 12 gigs of RAM that caps out at 512 uh, gigs of storage. And that is originally $800, currently on sale for $750. And it comes in two basic colors, your standard white and more of a, I want to say like a uh, storm gray or slate. The biggest news that's coming as far as this phone is that it will be now available in the US. So you can obviously use it on most of the major carriers out there. And for me, I've already put my pre-order in and I'm hoping to have quite a good experience with this phone. I've always been a big fan of Carl Pay even back when he started OnePlus. So I haven't had a chance to actually get on the Nothing Phone 1 just because there was so much limitation to it trying to get it in this country. But uh, now that we've got the Nothing Phone 2 that actually has a designated place in the U.S., uh, I really am excited to test this out and definitely give my feedback on it as well. But as you can kind of tell from the pricing, this is really starting to approach, you know, the entry level flagship phones. If you look at the iPhone, that's $800. If you look at the S23, that's also $800. And then the Pixel 7 is priced at $600. Actually, it's currently on sale for $500. But so you're, you're running between $5 to $800, which is right where the, those tiers are on the nothing phone, depending on the specifications. So and I think that's really what Carl was trying to shoot for in this is to try to compete with the big dogs and in providing something for the masses that maybe comes at a more unplugged or acoustic sort of approach just because of the way Nothing OS 2.0 is designed and just just the overall experience that he wants people to have with these phones. Is it worth the $600? Well, that's not really necessarily a cheap price. Um, but it's certainly not approaching like an iPhone 14 Pro or a Galaxy S23 Ultra. Uh, it's right in that middle category where starting to blend the lines on, you know, we're coming out of cheap and now reaching the expensive level of, you know, six, seven, eight hundred dollar phones. So 
The other thing that I wanted to mention was a bit of a critical thing that went on today, and that is that Microsoft won the court case against the FTC. So they are now approved to continue on with the acquisition of Activision, at least as it applies here in the States. And that's a pretty giant step in this whole entire process that they have been trying to push towards over the past few months. Uh, actually, we're pushing on it's over, it's been over six months. But uh, And then as far as the CMA, it sounds like now they're actually in negotiations with them uh, to kind of cater towards where they can meet in the middle with the CMA uh, so they can get that approved over in the UK. Uh, overall, it sounds like this is actually getting back on the right track to where Microsoft wants it to be. Maybe not where I personally would like it to be, but um, if it goes through, it goes through. There's really not much that can be said about it. So, uh, well, we'll definitely continue to keep you guys updated on that. But that will just about do it for this week's episode, and we will catch you Saturday on Debatable. Debatable.